And we're going to study Moses tonight. Moses, uh, Old Testament heavyweight. Big time guy. Big time guy. Um, we're going to play Bible trivia just to get loosened up, guys. So everybody's going, oh, no, oh, no. He's, he's coming my way. But there's a, there's a lot of information about Moses that you know. And even if it's Sunday school kind of stuff, I, I want to hear it because this guy did a lot of things. He did a bunch of things. And uh, Bible trivia, is that what we should call this? No, nothing in the Bible is trivia. So, Alex, I'll do Moses for 600. That's where we're going to start. Okay, um, I'm going to clear, clear the decks with this one. Part of the Red Sea. Oh, no, everybody's out of ammunition now, huh? Give me, give me something he did. Give me something he did. This is, this is a heavyweight. I'll take anything. I'll take anything. Pardon me? God. He spoke to God. Burning bush. Burning bush. Yeah. Face to face, basically, with God. Um, in a lot of different situations, a lot of different situations, he was not really face to face, but he, he spoke with God. Okay. That's, that's a good one. Is there a hand up, Steve? No, he got in trouble for killing He got in trouble for killing an Egyptian. He did. That's my phone. Somebody didn't turn it off. Don't even look at it. Okay. We silenced that baby. Okay. He did get in trouble for killing an Egyptian. Uh, he, he left uh, on the lamb. And uh, what other boo-boo did he make? Since we're on boo-boos for him. He made, he made two serious ones. Yeah, he didn't speak to the rock. He struck the rock. And God said, uh, you're pretty much decommissioned for that one. After all the great things that he did. But the line is, uh, two people that are given a lot, a lot is required. A lot is required. And man, he had a lot of uh, responsibility and did a lot of great things. He let his uh, temper get to him there a little bit. Moses did a lot of things. Moses did a lot of things. Yes. He negotiated for the lives of the Israelites with God. He did a couple of times. A couple of times he said, uh, God says, I'm going to wipe all these people out. And Moses said, for your namesake, Lord, don't do it. Don't do it. And at one time he said, uh, I'm just going to start over with you, Moses. You're, you're going to be like Adam and Eve or something. And you're, you're going to repopulate the uh, Israelite nation. But uh, he begged God and he relented a couple of times uh, because the Israelites were so stiff-necked. Okay. All right. We got the two boo-boos. He did a lot of great things. Did a lot of great things. Yeah. Lawgiver. Law receiver. Law receiver. Big. Real big. Real big. This is... He got all ticked off because of the golden calf. Yeah. Righteous indignation, perhaps. Okay. Moses for 400, surely. He did. That was part of that golden calf thing. Yeah. Golden calf thing. Uh, yeah, he did that. He did that. He, he had the tablets. 
He went back and got a second copy, though. He got, got a second copy. So we're not off the hook. There's still the Ten Commandments. Be, be right there. I see a hand over here. He was the leader, undisputed leader. They challenged him a couple of times, but uh, he always came out on top. Always came out on top. Mr. Morey. I'll go back. Uh, he, uh, he gave us the first five books of the Bible. Yes, he did. Very good. Very good. Um, my understanding of that is, and what I've heard taught, uh, he was at the tent of the meeting, and he would go in there. And take dictation from the Lord. So, you know, uh, to write down just Genesis would have been something. But the first five books of the Bible, very good. Uh, I'm going to sneak through here. <laughs> I promise I won't call on you unless you raise your hand. Yeah. After talking to God, he had to wear a veil because his face was glowing. Right, right. He, uh, he wanted to see the glory of God. And uh, God said, well, if I show it to you, you're dead because nobody can witness that. What I'm going to do, Moses, you've been such a great, great servant. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock and uh, you'll have no peripheral vision. And I'm going to put my hand over the cleft. I'm going to go by like this. And you're just going to see the train of my glory. And that made his face glow. So think how much light God is emitting, how much energy is there. God is light. God is love. Okay, yeah. His wife saved his life because he was supposed to circumcise his and his family, and he didn't. God was going to kill him. And so she circumcised his son and saved his life. Funny a woman would tell me that. <laughs> but that's a good one. So he married a good wife. He married a good wife, Zipporah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yvonne Carlo in the movie, if you must know. Okay. Yeah. That's enough. I, save some for me. Save some for me, would you? But, but that's right. But he was brave enough where he did go back, of course, with God's help. Right. He did go back. He did go back. He, did, he was reluctant, wasn't he? Uh, we're kind of like that. Yeah, if we were going to have a full-blown uh, study of Moses, we, we would certainly talk about that. He was very reluctant to do it. And God said, okay, I'll bring your brother Aaron in. He'll be the mouthpiece. So, yeah, that's, that's a pretty neat thing. Um, uh, we can elaborate on that. Moses and God together took apart the greatest empire on the earth at that time. And it was a strike against their pride. It was a strike against their gods, against their gods. And they had nine plagues. They had ten plagues, really. And after that was done, there wasn't much left of Egypt. And then, uh, what was what was the tenth plague? What was the tenth plague? Most destructive. Pardon me. Firstborn son. Firstborn son. Very important because uh, that was the one that did the trick. And it let the people go. There was a firstborn son that died for us. And it did the trick. It did the trick. It did the trick. So, I'd hate to call that a trick, but like Moses was a liberator, 
Jesus is a liberator. There are some consistencies there. Consistencies there between the two. Um, I'll, I'll take anything. Led the Israelites in the wilderness. What kind of miracles did he do? Uh, he was working with grumbling people. Provided manna from heaven. Quail. They got tired of manna. And he went to God and God said, okay, quail. The budding rod. Okay. I, I'm not, I have a dumb joke. I'm not going to say it now. Okay. I have to say it. Aaron, this bud's for you. That's, that's all I'm going to say. And I got it from Chuck Missler. He didn't get to go in the promised land because he had a little uh, temper issue, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I think about that. He was so, he was so diligent in everything else. And then he, he had that stumble, had that stumble. Ryan. He uh, received the blueprints for the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle and all the accoutrements of the tabernacle. Yeah, yeah, he was up there getting all that information. Not only did he get the law, but he got what you need to build the tabernacle in detail with uh, materials and everything. You know, it's like a huge blueprint. And, uh, you know, he, he really had a great association with God. Um, what classification could we put him in that's in our category? Moses and us are in the same boat. What boat is that? We're sinners. We're sinners. He had a couple of boo-boos, murder, and he had that disobedience, had that disobedience. You guys have done amazingly well. I think we'll just go home now. <laughs> no, no. That's really good. But, but Moses is really a heavyweight. Um, I don't think we covered everything that uh, I was thinking about Moses. So let's get into... Um, the faith chapter, which is chapter 11. James has been teaching on this. And this is the chapter where all the faith champions are listed. And last week we learned about uh, the patriarchs. And this week is the faith of Moses. Moses. Okay. And there it says... And this is how every paragraph starts in my Bible. Mine's made in paragraph form. It says here, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because he saw a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Faith drives out fear. Faith drives out fear. And uh, Moses was perceived to be a special child by his parents, and I suppose every set of parents does that with their children. And they were brave enough to buck the command because the Israelites were becoming so populous that Pharaoh says, the command is, throw all the boys in the river. We, we, we're getting too many Israelites here. And these, these parents said, not, not with this guy. So mom made the ark the little basket, and daubed it with pitch, put it in the river, and where did it go from there? It floated down to Pharaoh's daughter. 
Is God pulling the strings or what? He is. He is. No accidents here. So they were brave enough to do that. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter picked him up. And uh, like I say, God's pulling the strings. Miriam, Moses' sister, older sister, is in the wing somewhere and comes up to Pharaoh's daughter and says, uh, gosh, you need somebody to nurse that baby for you. I see you're taken with this child. Uh, I can arrange that. And Pharaoh's daughter said, yeah, you, you take him. You take him, and uh, I'll come back and get him at the right time. So this works out pretty good that the sister of Moses takes the baby to his mother, and she nurses him and is nanny for I don't know how many years. And we'll talk about that in a little little, uh, little bit. But Moses is uh, back with his family. Miracle. Miracle. How come nobody said that? Miracle of Moses. I didn't know it until this afternoon when I was studying this. That uh, That's kind of a miracle. 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God, uh, rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater greater than riches uh, in Egypt, for he looked forward to the reward. He looked forward to the reward. Um, when he was with his mother, she was bringing him up for Pharaoh's daughter. Evidently, he learned about his culture. He learned about the Hebrew nation, the, the traditions, and that's, that's where he got his information, I believe, about what was going on with his people. And his people were in slavery. And that was, that was his blood family. And uh, when he became of age and he was with Pharaoh's daughter, he evidently elected to go with his people. I'm, I'm going to give up on the things that happened in the court of Pharaoh. It could be pretty neat, but I'm going to let that go. What, what was he letting go? He was letting go some neat things. Prestige, uh, position. Pharaoh's grandson, nice, nice position, power, pleasure, wealth, ease. He's going to give that up to live with his brethren, with his brethren, the Hebrews. And the Hebrews are building pyramids, uh, cities for storage, uh, whatever they need, roads. And he, he sees this. He sees his people in bondage. Okay. Um, and he thought that he was going to be the one to, on his own, liberate the people. Liberate the people. And that didn't work out very well. You know, we know this story that he went out and he saw an Egyptian giving a Hebrew a rough time. So Moses went over there and said, hey, what are you doing, buddy? And killed him. Ooh. <laughs> that might be overreacting. But that's what happened. That's what happened. And the next day, he goes to his brother, and there are two Hebrews fighting, and the aggressor is taking advantage of the other guy. And here comes Moses, and he comes up to the aggressor and says, you ought to lay off of him. And the aggressor said, what are you going to do, kill me like you did that Egyptian? Hey, it's all over town, Moses. He took that Egyptian out, so Moses has got to leave. Moses leaves, so... Uh, 
We know that he's, he's going out there. He's in, he's in exile. But let's get back to this paragraph. And he says, he's letting the, the pleasures go away. And he says, esteeming the reproach of Christ, esteeming the, the reproach of Christ greater than the riches of Egypt. Um, the writer of Hebrews is identifying him with Christ a little bit here. And Moses made this prediction, and I guess we're going to call it a prophecy because it did come true, that you're looking for this great prophet, this great prophet that will come after me and he'll be of my stature. He'll be of my stature. We think that's Jesus. We really think that's Jesus. And that's probably the tie here that the author of Hebrews is bringing in here. Um, he went the reproach route. Here he's on the lamb. He's on the lamb. And God draws him to Midian. He goes to the burning bush, gets commissioned to go back to the Hebrews. And with God's help, you can be the liberator. I'm going to make you the liberator, guy. You go back there. You did it on your own. Uh, you did a capital offense. Now, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. So he goes back and, uh, you know, he approaches Pharaoh. And talking about the reproaches of Christ and the parallel that is with Moses. What kind of problems did Moses have with the people? Have with the people. When he got back to Egypt, he was going to do these things and uh, these miracles that God had given him. And uh, he did the miracle with the snake and everything. And then Pharaoh got upset with the Israelites because they were asking for time off. We just want to go out and worship our God. That's all we want to do. And Moses or uh, Pharaoh gave this decree. You guys are goofing off too much. You're thinking about vacation. I want you to do the bricks without straw. Bad news. Bad news. Not only do you have to make your quota of brick, but now you've got to go find the straw. You think Moses was real popular after that? No, he wasn't. It was a reproach. It was a reproach. He was doing God's commission thing. That's what God wanted to happen. And it had this strange twist, had this strange twist. He was under reproach like Jesus was. Did Jesus have smooth sailing in his ministry? No, no. The leadership, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, the priests were always asking him questions. Uh, when are you going to do this kind of miracle? You know, How are you going to prove you're the son of God? We don't think you're the son of God. Just question all the time, all the time. And his disciples, how are they doing? One day they get it, the next day they don't get it. So they, they kind of had parallel rough ministries, rough ministries. Some parallels between Moses and Jesus. 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. I think that's amazing. An amazing statement. Um, when he came back and he realized his commission, 
And he wasn't distracted by the brick thing and the straw thing. He wasn't uh, distracted by, you know, the snake thing because, uh, you know, uh, the magicians of Pharaoh did the same trick. He, he starts him with the, uh, with the plagues, with the plagues. He doesn't back off. He doesn't back off. He's under commission of God to do what God says. And by faith, he carried all those out. And I'm amazed Pharaoh didn't throw him out on his ear after about three plagues. But no, he, he goes in. He says, Is it, can you let my people go now? And Pharaoh says, no, nope, you're not going. You're not going. So another plague. And he is consistent with these plagues, consistent with these plagues. He's not backing down from Pharaoh. Um, and then he has this statement. He didn't back down from Pharaoh, for he endured at seeing him, capital, who is invisible. Who is invisible. When I do discipleship classes, I'm always curious about faith. I think in the third chapter, we, we do faith, and I always quiz, quiz the guys in there. What's your definition of faith? And I usually get, you know, we're, we're talking about trust, we're talking about belief, all of this. You know, and, and what I want somebody, and every now and then somebody will, will say, well, I, I have this concept of God that's so solid that I don't waver from it. I don't waver from it. And that kind of hits home with me because my faith seems to be this block of granite somewhere in my soul. I don't know where it is for sure, but I've got it. I've got it. It's my foundation for everything. And it's unshakable. I like to think that. I hope it's unshakable. Uh, but it's, it's this big chunk of granite. It's a rock. It's a rock. So Moses had this concept that he was doing things like God was right there with him. He didn't, he didn't stray from the path. He marched on with his commission. Like uh, he had the motivation of God. He had the accountability of God in this, in this vision, this concept that he's had. I like the way they, they state this. For he endured at seeing him who is invisible. Wow. If we had Jesus walking right beside us, wouldn't we be motivated? Jesus, I'm not doing too good. It's accountability check, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I, I wish I could parlay my, my faith into that kind of thing. Now, Moses had a little heads up. He saw the burning bush. You know, he had been talking to God during and after the plagues. He got an order for the next plague. He could call it off by praying to God. He was in communication with God. We have the Holy Spirit. We can do the same thing. Can, can I generate this, uh, this concept, this vision of something that's invisible within me for motivation and accountability? Moses had that. What a, what a feature. What a neat thing. And I think that goes over and is part of the writer of Hebrews' great definition of uh, faith. I love to read it. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I think Moses got this evidence of things not seen going on. He's got this concept that is pushing him uh, for, for performance and accountability.
Okay. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Should touch them. The tenth plague is the one that's going to do the damage and open up Pharaoh's heart so uh, the Israelites can go. It's going to be it's going to be freedom. And this was a special one. And the Lord came to Moses and said, this is the way it's going to work. You know, the other plagues were just, okay, touch the water, turns to blood. Tomorrow you're going to get fleas. The next day you're going to get frogs. But this one was uh, laid out, laid out uh, very specifically, very specifically. And... Uh, God said one of the features is we're going to use lamb's blood. And uh, when I send, he says, he, he is going to go through Egypt and take out the firstborn of everybody that doesn't have the blood on their doorposts. It's going to be the firstborn of the animals. It's going to be the firstborn of every person in Egypt. But you, you can get around this by using, using the blood, using the blood. Kind of a new concept, kind of a new concept. They knew about sacrifices for a long, long time. But now they're going to use it as a symbol. They're going to use it as a symbol. They're going to paint the top of the door, and they're going to paint the uh, uprights. I think they call that top thing uh, the lentil, and that's, that's what it says in Scripture. And that's going to be protection. That's going to be protection. For you guys. And he lays out and he talks about the lamb. And it's very specific. And when we study Christ, the Passover lamb, we see a lot of similarities here. See a lot of similarities between that lamb and the sprinkling of blood and Jesus on the cross. So, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. And Moses knew how powerful angels were and how powerful the Lord was. So he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. That was, that was total destruction. Uh, we, we have other angels in Scripture doing total destruction. And everybody's seen what he's done to Egypt. Egypt's in shatters. Egypt's a mess, a real mess. And I'm sure Moses is saying, this is what we're supposed to do, guys. It's very important that we do this because God's not kidding. You've seen the rest of the plagues. We need to do this. And by faith, they did it. And by faith, they did it. And God said, I'm coming through there, and I'm going to get the firstborn. I'm going to get the firstborn. And he did. And he spared those that had the blood on those three areas, on the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Yeah. Where was the blood on the cross? It was the head and the hands. The door doesn't have a bottom, so I, I guess they missed it in this analogy. But uh, was that liberation for us? It was liberation for us. The tenth, com- the tenth uh, plague will be liberation for the Hebrews. This is the one that gets their attention. This is the one where Pharaoh says, get out of here. <laughs> Go now. Get, get, go. I've had enough. Leave. Got his attention. Death of the firstborn. Okay. He believed in that. The blood will do it. The blood will do it. Do we have faith in blood? 
I have faith in blood. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ saves me, liberates me. Great. Fantastic. Moses knew that. Moses knew that. Everlasting, uh, everlasting ordinance, Passover. This is to be remembered forever by the Jews. We have communion, and uh, someday I think it will switch back to Passover as we have Passover with Christ in Jerusalem when he comes back to reign. It'll be real cool. It'll be real cool. Okay, we move on. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. This is a, this is a big, everybody, everybody knows this one, and it, it's really cool. Um, the Israelites are fleeing, and they make uh, what looks like a huge tactical error. They get hung up on a beach, and they're way down south, uh, probably lower than uh, Egypt is today, but Egypt had all the territory. And it, Pharaoh got a report that these dumb Hebrews, they've never been out of Egypt, they don't know what they're doing, they're trapped on a beach, trapped on a beach, and Pharaoh has a change of heart. Why did we let these guys go? Oh, my goodness. Let's go get them. We have, we have chariots. We have spears. They got nothing. We'll go get them. We'll bring them back. We'll have slaves. So there they go. They're going down to get them. And there are a lot of miracles associated with this. It's, it's really, really neat. And I think I have enough time to tell you about a few of them. So the Israelites are, have followed a dry riverbed or a gap in the mountains. They come out on this beach. And this side, there's mountains. Over here is the sea. This beach is like a delta. They can't get off of it. Here, down that valley, comes all of Pharaoh's men. He's got the elite out. If you read about it, 600 of his best chariots, horsemen, and foot soldiers. They, they're going after guys with, with pitchforks and, and maybe, I don't know what, nothing. So this looks like an easy deal. But you remember one of those miracles that God provided for them? He, he gave them this cloud. And in the daytime, it was a cloud and it covered them. And they had shade at night. Pillar of fire. That's good. <laughs> well, I'd like to see that. I'd really like to see that. So to buy time. God puts this pillar of cloud in this valley where the Egyptians are coming. They're going to come up on this beach, but they can't. They got this big cloud right there. They don't know what's on the other side of that. And on one side is fire for the Israelites to get ready to cross the sea. Get ready to cross the sea. On the other side is darkness for the Egyptians. Is this a God thing or what? So, but they're still trapped and they're grumbling. They're grumbling. Moses, did you bring about out, us out here because there are no graves in Egypt? And uh, no, I, I didn't. And I want to I read you something that God gave Moses. And this is, uh, this is a great summation for uh, getting ready to cross the sea. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, 
and you shall hold your peace. You shall hold your peace. So there it is. There's the promise. He's going to take care of this situation. So, and right after it, the Lord says, Moses, do, do what you need to do. Get down there. Time is of the essence. Put your rod out, and the sea opens. And the Lord sends a drying wind, a drying wind, so they can cross on dry ground, on dry ground. And there are a lot of postulates and theories of where they crossed. My favorite one with the most evidence is a place where they had to go across about 15 miles and the water's 200 feet deep in the middle. And the water stood up like a wall. Okay, we're going in there, guys. That's a faith thing, too. Water's liquid. We got water on each side 200 feet up. Uh, Maintain your faith, people. Maintain your faith. They went through. They went through on dry ground. And here come the Egyptians because the cloud moved in front of the people to show them where to go. Standing water, burning cloud. Nice. This is good for your faith. This is good for your faith. Here come the Egyptians. They're roaring in there. It's time to get these people back. We want more slaves. Let's get them. So they're in hot pursuit. They evidently get in the middle of this water. And the wheels come off their chariots. God did that. It says in the scripture, God took the wheels off their chariots. So they drove hard, it says. I bet they did. So the Israelites go up on the other side. And God says, Moses, with the staff again, okay? And he closed up the sea, closed up the sea. No Egyptians survived it. No Egyptians survived it. And there's a, there's a beautiful song that's written called the Song of Moses. After that, the celebration of the Lord and his protections. It's good reading, real good reading. Back in Exodus. Okay, by faith, Moses did that. It looked hopeless. Hopeless. God came through. God came through. Wow. Wow. Moses, what a guy. What a guy. Um, we have faith too, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. If you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain into the sea. Move a mountain into the sea. I don't know what mine is. You know, it must be a pinhead. I don't know. I don't know. But it's sufficient. It's sufficient. Faith is a mechanism of salvation. Wow. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. By grace, you've been saved through faith. It's a great thing. Great, great thing. Okay. And I always like to finish up because I'm so impressed with God and pride. Uh, I want to talk about Egypt now. Egypt's got nothing. I think Pharaoh was in this mess. I don't know that for sure. But I I think that Pharaoh got it in the sea. So his firstborn is dead. There's, there's no heir apparent to the Egyptian throne. The Egyptians are in a mess. Everything has been destroyed. Their gods have been destroyed. Their pride has been destroyed. Pharaoh's dead on the beach someplace. Their army, they're dead on the beach someplace. What a God. What a God of judgment. Judge idolatry, judge pride. 
and Moses, the great lawgiver, is the humblest man that ever lived. The humblest man that ever lived. Okay, I'm going to leave it right there. We'll close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these great examples of faith, Lord. Moses, what a heavyweight. He's a sinner too, Lord, just like we are. That blood that liberated the Israelites. We have blood that liberates us. Your atoning blood, Lord. Thank you so much for that. Lord, be with all these folks. Give them a great week. And uh, we say you're the neatest God ever and ever. Amen. Amen.